What we do now echoes in eternity. Marcus Aurelius Hello, my fellow Stoics, and thank you for listening in to today's episode. Have you ever found that giving into our cravings makes them come back stronger? I mean, for example, if we go out and for a shopping spree and we get the latest drop of clothing. And while, you know, it's no issue to actually afford them or to get them, we actually end up wanting to get more of them or it feels like we need more of it because that's what gives us pleasure. Um, you could use another example if, if you'd like, maybe with sweets or things like that, where when you eat something very sweet, you are excited to try it again um, very soon. Well, it's, what's funny is that when it comes to chasing those pleasures or chasing those things that make us happy or, or that bring us happiness, the Stoics actually would suggest that mindlessly pursuing our desires or avoiding what we don't like isn't the best way to live a good or even a pleasant life. And I find this to be actually quite similar to what I learned back in college when it came, if you've ever studied economics, there is a a portion of it that deals with the human nature. And that's why in economics, the way that the system kind of plays itself out is directly related to human nature, which is a, a part of us that we kind of can't necessarily um, attempt to control, but to observe and try to satisfy and create a system that best fits the human nature. For example, there is a finite number of things that we have in the world, but there is an infinite amount of things that people want. So that's why, you know, um, supply and demand uh, determines price of things, for example. And that's just very, very high level Of course, it's very nuanced and very complicated, but that's just a very, very simple example. (laughs) Another example would be the law of diminishing return, where we recognize in human nature that it can become a bit of an addiction to purchase something or to get a service, a good or a service. And when you get it the first time, it it just hits different. It feels great getting that thing the first time and you want it again. But over time, you begin to realize that the, that the return that you're receiving begins to diminish. But because you've then created an addiction to it, you feel like you need to chase that pleasure, even if it doesn't give you that satisfaction anymore, that deep satisfaction when it first was provided to you. And that's something that, that the Stoics actually recognized as a part of human nature, So we are, for example, attracted to material objects or maybe fame or money. And consequently, we decide that we need to do whatever we can to obtain those things. And similarly, we do whatever we can to avoid the things that we truly dislike, such as hard work, pain, and of course, uh, death. And Seneca's advice is quite strange, at least to the everyday person who doesn't practice stoicism. (laughs) He suggests that we should be training ourselves to not pursue 
the things that we enjoy. And moreover, we should actively prepare to face the things that we avoid. And obviously, it sounds very familiar when you're, when you're hearing it because it's uh, sometimes referred to as winter training or, if you want to put it in a different context, it, uh, voluntary discomfort. It's what the ancient soldiers used to do to keep themselves ready for battle. Even though they could not engage the enemy during a cold season, for example, they would proactively exercise their skills during that time to prepare for the following fighting season. The same goes for us. We as Stoics are training not just a matter of uh, withstanding adversity when it actually comes, but also of preparing ourselves ahead of it during the good times. So the thing is, why would you want to do that? Well, a big example would be, let's use the example of the way the state of the world is right now. There's been a lot of layoffs, for example, and inflation is drastically increasing. If we were able to recognize the patterns of the economic system, And we, back two years ago, were able to recognize that, hey, this actually isn't maybe going to end that well. What could I be doing right now to prepare for what would be right now? Well, what if you lost your job? And what if inflation is impacting you? What could you have done back when the times were good? Well, you could have practiced chasing away a little bit of the pleasures that came with during that time period. So that could be going out less. That could be saving more money. That could be um, eating more bland food, right? To prepare for times like this, you prepare during the good times though. That way, when the adversity does hit, you are accustomed to it. You are okay with um, with that sort of impact, that kind of adversity. And that's the, the key part of, of the Stoic training. And of course, it's very similar to voluntary um, discomfort, but that had more to do with, let's say, um, our emotional state with discomfort. So we can remain Stoic during those times that impact our emotions. But this is a little bit different. This is different in the sense of pleasure, of lifestyle pleasure, especially if we want to translate it to the modern world. That lifestyle pleasure is what we're training for because nothing is ever guaranteed, at least not long term. We cannot tell the future. I cannot say for certain that my job will remain stable for years and decades to come. The company could fail. I could begin to do poorly. I could run into illness that prevents me from working. There are so many things that could impact us. So what can I do to prevent this um, sadness that comes over me when the pleasures that I have been accustomed to this entire time get swept away from me? What could, what do I have to be doing today to prepare for something that could potentially happen like that. That is the very key aspect of today's session, of what we're discussing, of what Seneca is trying uh, to tell us. 
So it's really to to practice during the good times. Now, of course, why would anybody want to follow this recipe for what surely isn't going to be a pleasant life, right? Especially if you're doing it consistently. And the goal isn't to, you know, um, like prevent any pleasures in your life, of course. But you pick and choose the times so you can train for it. But keep in mind that Seneca implies that pleasant, though the word pleasant is a value judgment. And that's also what we're training our mind to, to become accustomed to. Pleasant is a value judgment, which can change depending on the circumstances and depending on the situation. We can make that value judgment, which means that we can change them through consistent practice if reason tells us that they are off track. So um, if you recall, you know, the lexiographic ordering of values, right? That's kind of what I what I'm referring to. Virtue is in obviously the number one thing that we need to be referencing before everything else, not to be traded with anything else. Other things like riches, pleasures, beauty, and so on are all in set B or like the second thing um, after virtue. And set everything in set B is to be preferred, but not at the cost of virtue because they are not truly good and do not really make us happy. Uh, so it turns out that this notion has some backing from the modern day psychology in what is called the, the hedonic treadmill. Hedonic treadmill being just like the treadmill at the gym, you keep running on it and you really don't get anywhere. I mean, we've all been there, right? We get super excited when the next iPhone drops and you save up for it maybe, you go over, you finally buy it and it's super exciting for the neck for the first couple of days, maybe weeks, maybe months. But after a while, it kind of just, it's not that exciting anymore. But then when the next phone drops, you, that excitement builds up again. I'm going to get the newest phone. I'm going to get the newest phone. And not really much is changing for that phone though, because if the phone just left your life, would you really be impacted as, as far as happiness? Now, don't confuse your happiness with the dopamine drip that your brain wants, because obviously your phones are just um, dopamine givers, you know, just instant pleasure right then and there. But that's not the real thing that gives you true joy and happiness. It just satisfies the chemicals in your brain. That's all it does. Nonetheless, though, you're on a treadmill just running after the dangling phone in front of you, not getting anywhere as far as far as true happiness is concerned. Because as you know, you get the new phone, doesn't get that exciting anymore. The next phone comes out, the next phone comes out, next phone comes out. You're not moving anywhere. That's the idea of the hedonic uh, treadmill. It'll only keep us happy for just a few more weeks, a few more days, and the process will start all over again. So Seneca then is telling us how to get off of this hedonic treadmill. It's a two-step process, essentially. First is the philosophical step of realizing that what is superficially pleasant may not be what makes us truly happy. And conversely, 
that what appears to be unpleasant may not make us unhappy. So realizing that the iPhone, the newest iPhone, having to get that newest iPhone may not actually bring us deep sense of happiness. And conversely, waiting for your phone to kind of live its course, to actually die off by itself, letting the the next generation, the next generation, the next generation continue without having to buy a phone, that doesn't entirely make us unhappy. So the second thing is to act on our realization and little by little to internalize what we cognitively recognize to be the case. So every time you successfully retreat from the objects that allure you, and every time you successfully rouse yourself to, to meet the objects that attack you, you are taking a step toward wisdom and happiness. Now, what Seneca is trying to tell us in practice, though, is really to act the opposite. If you truly believe that happiness will come, if you do this, if you chase for this, maybe you should step off the treadmill and act the opposite. Maybe I don't need that to make me happy. So act the opposite. Maybe I shouldn't chase that or seek that with so much pleasure and desire. And conversely, stepping off the treadmill and pushing aside those desires may not be what makes me unhappy. This is the true essence of this um, tangent from voluntary discomfort. Act the opposite and make sure that you are training your brain because at the end of the day this type of training it also prepares you for future adversity think back to what i had mentioned in the beginning of the episode when it comes to the economic conditions those are things that you can't control but the economic conditions do force the way that your lifestyle is lived so if you are consistently acting the opposite during the good times, just as practice, it becomes much easier when you are forced to act the opposite. And you can realize that in those moments of life, that adversity, you can still maintain peace and happiness. Acting the opposite is really a key way that ancient Stoics train their brains to understand that their desires and aversions don't necessarily have to be obeyed unquestioningly. Especially with today's society, right? You, you look at Instagram, you look at TikTok, you look at Facebook and all of these things. And all of these people kind of show you or try to put it in your face that this is what happiness is. This is what's going to make you feel successful. This is what brings joy. This is the way your life should be. Now, the Stoics would say, while it may trigger something in your brain that you may want to desire that, Maybe you shouldn't obey those desires unquestioningly because then that, in the end, does bring you unhappiness. You will feel unfulfilled because you are finding peace and happiness in things that are outside of your control to begin with. Think back to the economic conditions. If you are forced to live a certain way because of the economic conditions, you will never find happiness because you have been told to chase something and be obeyed to chase it unquestioningly. And that is the core aspect of it. Modern research even 
um, approves of this, uh, this methodology, especially in, in regards to CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, which suggests that changing our behavior can impact our emotions. And this theory is used to, to treat both anxiety and depression. Well, while very useful for clinical conditions, the basic premise is also helpful to train ourselves about the nature of what is good or bad. So by acting the opposite, as the Stoics did, we grow to realize over time that it isn't necessary to pursue many of our desires and that we can face many of our adversions. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps out the show. If you would like to check out Stoic Sage merch or read the blog, please go to stoicsage.co. Also, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook, and I wish you well, my fellow Stoics, on your path to sagehood.